Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software Great Tech Group. You're invited to join our conversation to model the future of construction innovation and the digital transformation adventure of this great industry. I'm excited to continue our special podcast series that we recorded live from Autodesk University 2023. My guest in this conversation is Brandon LeCousier, the Senior Director of Customer Success for Autodesk. Brandon grew up in construction, joining his first crew at 16. In 2013, Brandon joined Autodesk. He is committed to solving industry challenges and helping customers optimize their workflows through the use of Autodesk solutions. Hope you enjoy the conversation with Brandon. All right, so we are excited to be filming here at AU with Brandon from Autodesk. Uh, Brandon, for the listening audience, can you tell a little bit about your your background and, sure. and your role at Autodesk? Yeah, um, uh, so really excited to be here, by the way. So thanks for having me. Uh, I am the director of our customer success organization for our overarching construction division. Um, I focus uh, primarily on uh, support, uh, customer success, our services organizations, but really most importantly, just making sure our customers uh, are successful with our tools. Mm -hmm. I've been at Autodesk now for 11 years and I've been in the construction group the entire time, uh, but it's a lot bigger today than it was 11 years ago, yeah. which was maybe one of the most exciting parts of this week. Yeah, awesome. And I hear you have a, a background in, in construction, family-owned business, right? I do, yeah. I started when I was you know, 11 picking up you know, nails and screws on uh, you know, uncle's job sites. And um, you know, was fortunate enough to work my way onto a framing crew, um, and then I just realized, you know, the winners maybe weren't for me. And uh, I was fortunate enough to kind of get into the software space, and uh, kind of been here ever since. But still, uh, still a big fan of of getting out in the field and, and getting opportunities to to to, to really work. Mm -hmm. What about the the software space and the the, the tech in general? Uh, pulled you over to, to the side of it. Uh, anyway, I've been a nerd. I am a nerd. I'm just a nerd. Um, <laughs> That's okay. We're all a nerd. <laughs> you know, and I, I think uh, I went to school uh, for architecture, uh, dabbled. I just mm -hmm. was a really bad architect. Um, but I, I think in that, that short period of time where I, I, I was you know, still aspiring, um, I just I really fell in love with technology. Uh, you know, you, you, just this idea that we could move faster um, with just really simplistic changes. I also found it really exciting to you know, teach the, in many cases, the people that taught me about construction, mm -hmm. the next sort of iteration, right? This, this technology, I think, especially in the, the 08, 09 timeframe, as you know, Revit was evolving and Navisworks was coming online, mm -hmm. I was really intimidating. And I think a lot of people were just scared to even explore these tool sets. Sure. Um, and I just thought it was maybe my opportunity to return some favors. You know, people that had taught me about the complexity of a job site, mm -hmm. um, I was, you know, only too excited to teach them about how BIM and other aspects of our, our tools could help you know, improve their day to day. Yeah. Do you think in the, that ten year stretch that the tools have become more accessible and easier for people to to really grasp and, and yeah. get their hands dirty with them? Yeah. I mean, certainly. I, I think. Technology always optimizes over time, right? I think we've seen tools get better, easier, faster. I think at the same time, though, we've seen you know the increase in volume of tools. Sure. Uh, in many ways, maybe make folks apathetic to technology on a job site. Uh -huh. um, yeah, you know, I think you still see a lot of people that are covered in you know, certificates and enablement sessions and training sessions um, that still feel like there's question marks about you know, how these tools work together. Um, so there's still a lot of work to do, mm. but I think the fact that we have 
um, such an effort around technology is good validation that we're taking the right steps, that we're getting a lot closer than we were 10 years ago. Yeah. What's the reaction been to uh, even more new technology coming on online even this week with all the, the announcements from Autodesk? Sure. Um, you know, I think, I think this week uh, in a lot of ways, and I'll, I'll use um, the improvements to large model viewer as an example. Mm. Um, it is a, and I hope our customers receive it this way, it's acknowledgement of, of the feedback we've received for the better part of a decade that mm. you know, the tools we produce um, need to have more than just wow factor, right? They need, to, they, need to, uh, uh, they need to wow our customers because they're so simplistic mm -hmm. that they bring people into the fold in a way that you know, maybe past iterations of our BIM offerings haven't. And I think when you look at large model viewer and you look at what we delivered, um, it wasn't a new science project. It wasn't some crazy thing. It was bigger models, faster speed, you know, cleaner visibility, filter control, mm -hmm. uh, things that are very much geared towards making the user's life easier, uh, more so than any other aspect of the business. Yeah. So yeah, I, and I think there's a lot more um, with regard to APIs too. I think one thing that has been a real uh, standout as far as topics with customers is how many are starting to sort of delve into the development space and are taking advantage of platform services to create their own integrations, create their own workflows. I, this, this wasn't a thing 10 years ago. Um, right. It's really incredible to see now. Yeah, how did they level up their skills in order to be able to take advantage of that? You know, I've been asking that question a lot. I think the intern programs that I've heard about this week mm -hmm. where people are pulling in program developers, creating yeah. their own uh, development teams, not, not huge staffs, you know, five, 10 people, mm -hmm. um, exploring problem statements they're getting from the field as you know, almost intern assignments, um, the things that have come out of these, these groups, uh, you know, I've seen 40 simulation coming out of a, a you know, one-year graduate intern. I mean, it's, it's really incredible how the APIs we've constructed were really geared towards that development audience mm -hmm. in a way that they could easily interpret what they're hearing from field engineers, project managers, and turn that into a meaningful integration that makes it easier to use ACC. Mm. And, and, and that's where I'm seeing it, is that it, they're really sort of building up that base um, with the incoming graduates. It, that's, it's something new in the construction space for sure. Yeah, that's cool. And we need to be pulling in more people into the, the industry too. So I think that technology is a great uh, kind of gateway into coming into construction because there's Absolutely. so much cool stuff happening here. Yeah, I, don't, I almost heard, um, I'm going to paraphrase, but uh, speaking with a customer earlier today, they were almost describing a, a, the development teams they're bringing on as part of the solution to their labor challenges, the, mm -hmm. the more broader challenges. Sure, sure. Um, it's not that they're trying to replace work or you know, implement AI solutions to you know, eliminate jobs. There's, there's not enough people to do the jobs we have. So right. I think what you're hearing a lot of people talk about is just administrating away that, or automating away the administrative challenges that plague their teams. Mm -hmm. And if you could make the day just suck a little less, like no one's upset about that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. How do you go about getting the buy-in from the field? Because the technology can seem like a, a threat and it's a scary thing coming in, but how do you get them comfortable with it to really be bought in and become champions of it? Yeah. I mean, it starts with listening, right? Um, yeah, I think sometimes, and I've, I've been guilty of this as well, right? You'll, you'll show up with this great tool that does this thing mm -hmm. uh, and, and you try to sell them on the thing, the capability, the button, mm -hmm. the feature. Um, that's great. I mean, I think some people like me, nerds that are, get excited about that are, are, are all too happy. Um, but if, if you, you know, have any hesitation to get into technology, approaching someone with a button, that's just not going to register. Right. Um, and I think where I've seen the most success is when 
the reason you're addressing technology or bringing technology into a business is to address a specific pain point, mm. not a pain point of someone that's not in the field, not a pain point that someone you know, arbitrarily thinks is important, a field engineer, a superintendent, a day laborer that mm. tells you about a pain point that you know, makes it challenging to do their job. Um, when you solve it, it's amazing how the barriers break down, right? right. Oh, you just made, you made my life a, a little less painful. Um, and I think as we've you know, found those simplistic challenges, those simplistic pain points, what's been great is it creates this organic adoption, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Dave tells Kelly, Kelly tells you know, the next person and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. Um, you, know, you don't have to get them convinced to use everything to take advantage of one thing. Uh, right. And I've sometimes struggled to see the forest through the trees on that, so I understand the challenge everyone's going through there. Um, but, but again, I, just, I think if you can meet people where they're at, you're going to have way more success than if you just try to you know, sort of force feed them things. I think it's an interesting point, too, because the technologists, you want everybody to adopt everything right from the beginning. Yes. But getting them, uh, what's the first step that they can use to, to get comfortable in the, the systems and, and using the tools? Some people, they don't have experience in their everybody's uncomfortable with what they don't know. Exactly. So how do you get them in that first degree of, of comfortability? It's huge. I think that's the, that's the opportunity. You know, and we, I'm, not, I'm not putting the onus on this on, on, on our customers by any means. I, I think this is the opportunity for Autodesk and our ecosystem of partners is to, mm-hmm. to embrace that challenge and meet, help, our, help our technologists at these companies deliver that message to, to their users. That's yeah. kind of the next phase of this. Um, you know, we're obviously going to keep innovating, creating more APIs and evolving AI, but at the end of the day, this needs to make everyone's life easier. So if we're showing up and just adding complexity, we're not adding value. Right. And that's a big thing I think, you know, Autodesk as a company is, is really focused on adapting and shifting towards is just mm-hmm. how do we make it easier to, to advocate for the needs of our customers, the users, I should mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. So how does that look? And practice for Autodesk to come alongside the, the customers and, and really be a, a, a partner with them on the journey to implementing and adopting all the, the new tech? Absolutely. You know, um, I'll, uh, on top of being a nerd, I also have a very short attention span. So, you know, I think um, when I look at learning strategy, uh, and I'll, I'll go back to the, 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 early, uh, the early 10s, uh, 08, 09 frame, I mean, you couldn't, uh, you couldn't open a video without you know, kind of learning the person's entire background and having a 15-minute you know, PowerPoint session about none of the things I Googled or YouTube searched to find out about. <laughs> right. um, and then simultaneously, you get to the end of this video, if you're still paying attention, um, and you hope that you've retained some knowledge. I think people don't learn that way anymore. Yeah. Uh, maybe they never did. But, um, but I think one of the things that I've been really proud of is the evolution of our Learn ACC platform. Um, not because it's doing something that other tools don't. Lots of solutions uh, have short form Mac content. That's, that's nothing new. Uh, but what I'm really excited about is that you know, in the past, um, you know, as we're iterating on the software, as new capabilities are coming out, there's long lead times between the video content and this really great new capability mm-hmm. uh, solution that our customer is excited to leverage. Today, LearnACC has almost a two-week turnaround for new updates in that content. Nice. And we're seeing customers use it in the thousands every single day, adding badges, certificates. Um, and, and all we really did was make short format content that did exactly what the customer Googled, right? right. I'm looking at, uh, you know, how do I create an RFI workflow, right? And yeah. oh, there's my three-step process for creating an RFI workflow. And these are, we've been asked for this for so long. Um, you know, maybe not in these specific terms, 
but I think microlearning and creating content that you know you can look at on your lunch break, that you can pull open your phone real quick, mm-hmm. and most importantly, you don't have to leave the product to, to access. Um, that's been a really important piece. Uh, and the other thing that that I've, I've I've really been proud of is our uh, our community forums. Um, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the team that built them, but I'm I'm, I'm even prouder of the way our customers are engaging. Um, and if you look at our big room, you know, we have just a really eclectic group of professionals, uh, whether it's general contractors, specialty trades, uh, that are helping each other. Um, right. Even having competitive offering discussions on these forums, yeah. it doesn't matter. They're just trying to solve challenges in construction, and it's been really fun to watch and help facilitate those conversations from a distance. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things about the construction industry in general, and then events like this is the, I feel like people in construction are, are totally open and, and willing to have those yes. conversations, even with competitors, like you said, because yes. they, they're trying to make the industry better and improve it however they can. So it, it takes it just you know one contractor doing something better isn't gonna help move the industry forward. It takes everybody rowing in the same direction, and. I, Construction does a really good job of absolutely locking arms with each other on that. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, so some of the uh, other, well, the, the main big product benefit or uh, release that, that came out during AU was around Autodesk AI. Yeah. What is the the reaction on the construction side? You know, uh, it's been really. I had a perception of what it would be coming mm-hmm. in. You know, uh, I think I think so many tools are are are, are AI. And AI has just sort of become a buzzword. It reminds me of. Um, in a much bigger sense, but in some ways uh, to the BIM explosion. Um, You know, I I think most customers, especially on the construction side that I've had a chance to talk to since the announcement, um, you know, are in part excited. You know, this is great. We're going to interject AI. I think they they really want to understand what our our thought process, though, is around AI. Mm -hmm. You know, are we just taking a tool like Copilot and slapping it into ACC and calling it a day? Or are we going to make intentional decisions about how AI helps our customers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know, we've had some really great forums with customers over the last few weeks where you know, they're illustrating the challenges that they have day in and day out. Um, you know, it's great if AI can create this you know, incredibly comprehensive, proactive dashboard that tells me about all my problems before they ever exist. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's even better if I don't have to flip between 15 sheets to figure out what the room uh, uh, finishes or uh, yeah. you know, the, uh, the, the specific cove molding detail. Um, it's great if I can you know, start to use things like in our takeoff tool, where it allows us to you know, do basic mm-hmm. symbol detection and very quickly catalog what used to be a highlighting exercise that took hours and hours. Mm-hmm. I think what I want and I hope uh, customers are taking away from this is that for us, AI needs to solve practical pain points mm-hmm. before it can solve the big, massive, hairy challenges that we, we oftentimes describe it to mm-hmm. solve. I think day one, we just, we just need to, um, to really look for those, those simplistic uh, pain points, whether they be in our product or the industry, and just ask ourselves, like, what would, if I had this, this sort of administrative butler of sorts, yeah. um, it, what would it look like if they were returning the right answer to me? Uh, and look for opportunities to do that. Yeah, what I think is really cool about the approach that you guys are, are taking is it seems like it's really practical. It's, it's rooted in how are people actually gonna use it and yes. really enhance and augment what they're doing, yeah. not come in and be like, all right, we're gonna take over all of the yeah. construction and just have an easy button. It, it, I mean, I, uh, I've, I've, I'm a huge fan of ChatGPT4. Uh, mm-hmm. I've spent way too much time on MidJourney asking for interesting images to get created. Um, I love it, but I, I think at the same time, I've never found a more confident 
response that may be wrong than I get out of chat. (laughs) And that's not uh, an indictment of that technology. That technology is incredible and I use it every day. Um, But I think if we don't train data, if we don't Mm -hmm. take a really intentional mindset to this, we have the potential to introduce risk into our customers' projects. And I think, you know, as much as I, I want to see AI be a part of everything, I most importantly do not want to create pain point that our customer didn't ask for. Right. Um, and that's where I think uh, the, the practicality is really important because it, I think, it, A, it gives customers confidence that AI can be a value add mm-hmm. without making it feel like it's going to replace their job. Um, and then I think secondary to that, uh, it allows us to, to kind of learn the way that we want these models to be built out. Mm-hmm. And I think we also have to take into account that companies like OpenAI and Microsoft are, are constantly developing. Um, you know, the tool sets they have today are only 12 months old in most cases. Where are we gonna be 12 months from now? Yeah. Um, so I think there's a, there's, a, there's a reason to take this practical approach that goes beyond just you know, wanting to, 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 to set the foundation. Uh, I think it's really important that we think about what we want AI to bring to a site. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we just sort of unleash it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the uh, fears, too strong of word, but uh, issues that I've been hearing people talk up that are concerned that view it as a, a threat, if you will, uh, is on the data side of how do we protect our data? How do we make sure it's secure? Do we really want to give it to somebody else? Don't sure. look at this is our you know proprietary data. What's how do you? respond to that or like how do you calm their feels yeah i mean I, I, so first off i think their fears are in many ways justified right data ownership is incredibly important mm-hmm. and you know I, I think i heard a really great quote earlier today that you know security is not convenient um I, and i think just digging into that a little you know, when we think about data policies and opening ai or or even you know i think ai is one piece but even just you know, using machine learning and basic algorithms mm-hmm. you, Understanding the intent you have for data is critical from from a lot of vantage points, but I think the most important is that bad data can be used to tell any story you want. Um, sure. And we've all had someone sell us something that 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 clearly wasn't wasn't fully uh, um, thought through, or or you could at least say the data maybe <laughs> was incomplete. And and I think when we look at that concern, especially from a security perspective, uh, I think we need to to really ask ourselves, okay, not just what information do we want to load, but like why? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, is it relevant to put, you know, what we would all describe as like HIPAA-related insights mm-hmm. uh, associated to a safety incident into a system that, you know, maybe we don't fully understand or comprehend? Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously not, right? That's right. an easy one. Uh, but I think, you know, company financials, risk impacts, I mean, there's even proprietary insights that come out of this data. Mm-hmm. And I can very much understand and appreciate why a customer would want and, and should protect it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I think uh, the step one for most of our customers needs to be um, you know, establishing what they want those, those data insights to be and ensuring that the data they're collecting and feeding to these machine learning algorithms, it, it, it represents that story and maybe not much else, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the last thing you want to do is, is oversaturate a model with objects that don't add value. It opens you up to security risk. It obviously opens you up to challenges in interpreting the data, uh, but also it's a waste of time. So um, I think we have to you know, help help uh, customers, and I, and I think customers can even also help us in this regard, establish what those, those important figures are. And then I think simultaneous to that, 
continue to apply pressure to ensure our security protocols not just meet the standards that you know, that we find to be important, but mm -hmm. you know, I think most importantly that the industry finds to be important. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we all have a responsibility to continue to evolve to meet those security standards. There is not an end point to this. Like this isn't this is forever. We we are always going to have to refine that strategy. That's what that's what keeps it secure. Yeah. Um, and I don't expect customers to give us a break on that anytime soon. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I'm sure the, the pressure will, will stay there. Please, yeah, no, it's good. <laughs> uh, what would your advice be as they start that journey to kind of thinking through what information they would want uh -huh, or sure. the, the data that they would want going into the AI? You know, I, I think there's so many companies, and I'm, I'm sure you've talked to some of them, that, that have thoughtful strategies here. Uh, mm -hmm. I think, you know, Autodesk is going to spend a lot of time and energy over these next few months propagating some of these best-in-class examples, especially uh, in situations where customers are, are really excited to introduce the, the other organizations to what they've, what they've cultivated. And I think you know, this next year for sure is going to be a best practice sharing as we all learn how AI is going to adopt uh, the job site. But I think the, the biggest thing right now is uh, you know, having a data standard, having um, you know, an intentional thought process in mind around the insights we want to collect from our teams in the field, mm -hmm. and how we want to put them to work for us. Um, you know, I, I, I ask this of my teams all the time. Uh, it's in Salesforce versus uh, um, yeah, ACC, but you know, I ask them all the time, um, is the data you're populating in our tool making your life easier? They rarely say yes, um, and, and maybe that's just a hygiene, a data hygiene issue. But I, I think it's just a CRM issue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but I, I think more importantly, the answer should be yes. And if it's sure. not, then we're not doing something right. I mean, I think realistically, you know, customers uh, uh, that are that are really been successful with a, a sound data strategy, um, they've defined that problem statement, uh, they've figured out what information was needed mm. to address it, and they delivered. Mm. Um, I think they. Uh, uh, the, the effort we see for many others to just boil the ocean, mm -hmm. collect it all, and we'll figure out how to parse through it later. And I've never found that to be um, uh, a super successful strategy in the short term, uh, maybe the long term, but, but certainly not the short term. Um, so that, that's where I would start. And, and I think there's, you know, there's experts from all over that can help guide in that. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but this is definitely an opportunity to learn, I think, for all of us. Mm -hmm. Nice. Any other main takeaways from AU this year? Um, you know, I, I think, uh, first off, we've never had more construction professionals at AU. Um, and as someone that started here 11 years ago with, uh, you know, a really finite number of construction professionals at Autodesk, you know, running into so many people now, mm -hmm. fast forward a decade, uh, that, that uh, are, are, are pressuring us to do better and more and faster. I've waited for this, this uh, passion yeah. uh, to be present with so many for so long. So... Uh, it's really just been sort of like my Super Bowl of sorts, right? Um, I'm in Detroit, so I, I've never had a Super Bowl. <laughs> maybe this will be this year might be the difference. Um, Atlanta, we've maybe. had disappointing Super Bowls, so <laughs> oh yeah, I even, oh really disappointing <laughs> one. Right. Um, uh, but I, I think you know, for me to see so many people uh, passionate about what we're building mm -hmm. is just such a change of pace, and it's something that's super exciting. Uh, I saw some incredible classes. Um, I think the homegrown innovation that we've seen is just truly incredible. And if you're hearing this going like, I want to check some of this out, we're posting all of it. It's going to be on our Autodesk University site so you can nice. access. Um, and I, I think it's just uh, also great to be back in Vegas. Um, 
I never would have thought that that uh, I would have missed roaming the show floors of a, <laughs> of a casino. But you know, this has just been an incredible place. The the staffs have been amazing. Mm -hmm. um, just really missed it. So it's been yeah. a great week, a great return to normal. Um, yeah, it was, it's been awesome. Yeah, I feel like the energy here. I've, this is my like eighth or ninth or something. I, I of AUs. I feel like this is the best AU. Oh, so I love far. hearing that. I, yeah. I, I've heard others say this. That's uh, it's certainly better than last year. Yeah. <laughs> I actually missed last year. That was that was one I've missed. That was the one. To so no, just, <laughs> yeah. actually, last year the, the city of New Orleans was great as well. Just you know, new place, new city for the first time. Um, but we're, we're so fa uh, thankful to be back here in Vegas. Yeah, it's been yeah. good. Uh, so as we start landing the plane here, when I said the phrase "modeling the future," what does that mean to you? What what kind of pops into your head? You know, uh, you know, for me, um, I'm going to be, I'll probably be more tactical than strategic uh, yeah. in this response, I guess. Um, I've always wanted this. You know, I, I started in Field Classic, if you ever remember that product. It's a, uh -huh. a much older product. And um, I watched the evolution of assets and how assets uh, have improved over time. And I think back to my time in the field, you know, there were so many situations where, you know, a, a spec had come through. Um, there were four embeds required for us to hang a VAV box on this Unistrat. Mm -hmm. Sure enough, we get up there, we set the, the box, and you know, the Unistrat that's been set doesn't allow for a filter change. Um, you know, little things like that, you know, they're painful, they're problematic, and you know, reactive tools made it easy for us to say, should we do this or should we do that? Um, what I've always wanted and what I think modeling the future looks like is when we run into situations like that, mm -hmm. regardless of AI or not, um, what I want to be able to do is have the solution captured, not just improve the way we build, but improve the way we design. Mm -hmm. And more so than that, you know, as we install, as we implement, as we bring assets onto a project, and that owner has life cycle challenges, warranty issues, well, I don't ever want to spec that product again. Um, mm -hmm. I think there's this really incredible opportunity as we go forward to learn from mistakes mm -hmm. and make more informed decisions up front that, you know, help our owners, our future customer, um, you really benefit from the value of BIM. Uh, I, I always have felt like we've 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 just been we've been this close, um, but if at the same time I'm still having to issue RFIs for objects that have incredible amounts of BIM data, something's not right. Right. Um, and I think Autodesk holistically sees this as an opportunity, mm. uh, and I hear from our customers that it's a it's a want a need, um, and it's probably the differentiator in how we take that next step in the way we build buildings, mm -hmm. and more importantly, the way we maintain them. Mm -hmm. um, that's that's very much the way I, I, I envision it. Yeah, I like it. Well, one of our, our central themes that we come back to a lot on the podcast is around innovation. What, is, what does innovation mean to you? I, I mean, uh, again, like, I, I could use some you know, massive concept like AI, but I think it's way less complicated than that. I, I, some of my favorite innovation has just come from uh, someone that, that is staring at the problem for a really long time mm -hmm. and and finally says um maybe the whole process is broken like maybe it's not just this maybe yeah. it's maybe it's bigger maybe i need to back up and uh you know i'll, I'll uh, hopefully he doesn't listen because i don't want him to hear all the, the positive things but <laughs> you know Lalith, uh, uh who's come in as our new head of r d you know having him come into the team and look at at some of the incredible work our folks have done and say I understand why we made these decisions, I get it. Mm -hmm. But we've learned new things, maybe we can alter, maybe we can adapt. Mm -hmm. And seeing you know, him uh, approach the refinement of our tool in, a, again, a very practical way, mm -hmm. 
it's a kind of innovation I don't see very often, right? The innovation I see is science projects and complexity and more, more, more. Right. There's something so perfect about seeing someone make you know, a functional prog- process better. Um, and that's my favorite kind of innovation. Yeah. I think that's the, the best innovation is the most simplistic thing. Exactly. You didn't think of it. You just had to change your perspective, and then you're like, oh, yeah, staring me right in the face the whole time. Six clicks into three. Yeah, I mean, right. exactly. Yeah. That's the hardest yes. innovation. But it's, yes. it's, it's the best. It is. Uh, so final question for you. If I could give you all construction power, you could snap your fingers and innovate one thing, what would you pick to innovate? Oh, wow. Um... You know, uh, I would never have a safety incident on a job site again. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think realistically, uh, even to this day, far too many people are injured, um, and even more are killed on job sites from preventable in- incidences. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something that that's impacted me personally, impacted friends and family, um, and it just doesn't need to be a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think introducing, you know, whatever this this magic wand I have mm-hmm. uh, is, introducing something that that truly solves the problem of safety, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't put it, the onus on the people on the job site, but instead just alleviates the complexity of the job site that often leads to the safety incident to begin with, yeah. uh, th- that, would be my, that would be my perfect uh, resolution. Yeah, that's a great one. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. worked hard on it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for, for coming on. I appreciate the time. Enjoyed the conversation. No, that's same great. here. Really appreciate yeah. it. And now it's time for my Todd takes from this episode. First take, in today's tech-driven world, it's essential to partner with technology providers and hold them accountable. By actively engaging with your technology partners, you can better steer the development process toward delivering the features and capabilities that are most crucial for your business. Second take, AI has made remarkable strides, but its true value lies in its ability to simplify our lives. Before diving into complex challenges, AI should focus on resolving practical pain points. By addressing everyday issues and streamlining routine tasks, AI can significantly improve efficiency and productivity. This approach allows us to build a solid foundation for more ambitious applications of AI in the future. And final take, when adopting new technology, it's vital to connect it directly to the pain points experienced in the field. This strategic integration breaks down barriers between the office and the field, fostering a more natural and organic adoption process. This approach ensures the technology becomes an enabler rather than a hindrance in your operations. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software Great Tech Group at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining the conversation to model the future on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is hosted, directed, and produced by Todd Wyant, edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an Applied Software Great Tech Group production. Copyright Applied Software Great Tech Group 2023.